0: Uh, no, so um, I don't know how this will go recording it from there, but we're going to try. Um, so that something like, yeah, you hear something that you want to like come back to or somebody misses it and they say, oh, I forgot about that. You can say, well, Dustin has a copy of the meeting somewhere. Um, so this is Mark and Karen Sinstrom that are with us um, this morning. And... Mark and Karen are just some people that I respect a whole lot. Uh, My wife has known them for a long time. Their daughter, Erica, is one of Hillary's best friends. And so I've known them for a long time through her. But they work with teenagers and young people. Like, just in general, they love young people. They've raised two pretty amazing kids, um, Nate and Erica. And Mark has a practice in Newbert where he does Christian counseling. And then Karen is actually on staff at University of Evansville in the Counseling Center. And so um, both of them have a really big background in working with people in a counseling relationship. And they sort of have a lot of experience with young people. Um, So I couldn't think of anybody better to come and hang out with us. And I just thought this is like one of my dream topics for a parents meeting was just I wonder if I could get somebody who does lots of work with families especially with teenagers, and just say, if you could tell parents anything that you wanted to, what would it be? And so that was sort of how I framed it for them coming in. I'm going to sit up and ask questions to maybe like provoke things further. Um, if you got questions, like for sure, write them down. And we're going to have some time at the end of this to ask questions. So um, yeah, without any further ado, Mark and Karen, if you want to tell us, like, a little bit about yourselves and then maybe go in, you brought some talking points and if I think of anything that could benefit from being interjected in along the way, I'll throw that in. Perfect. Cool. Okay,
1: I just, yes, our daughter um, is good friends with these guys, Um, but it's just been fun over the years to watch Dustin. He's like one of the best, and I'm not saying that just because he's friends with my daughter. Um, I used to come on Sunday nights, I I was a group leader for a lot of years. Um, wait, do you don't call them D-groups anymore?
0: Small groups, everybody calls them D-groups. Okay. They're high school small groups, okay. but you can't get rid of an
1: But I would come just on Sunday nights just to hear him because I just, I think he's like the best. We've been married for 30 years. We've been together 35. I'd like to say that we were high school sweethearts, but it was only the last two weeks of our high school. Um, of but we, so we kind of, we have grown up together.
2: Yeah, ask me how I, I met her.
1: Stop it. We're um, not doing that one.
2: No, no, no. That
1: would be for after. It is a funny story, but no. We're not going to
3: start off that way.
2: All right.
1: He always does that.
2: She was drooling. Stop um, it.
1: <laughs> in AP English in 11th grade, I'm, I had my head down.
2: I, now, the, the whole class stops. The teacher's looking right over my shoulder. I'm oblivious, right? I'm, I'm didn't notice half the people I was going to school with probably. But I turn around to see what he's looking at. And something, you know, that the sense that everybody's looking at you, he got to her and she puts her head up and there's this line of drool. <laughs> and I thought, he's anyway. so cute.
1: <laughs> One of
2: my son's first philosophical observations was that... Uh, Dad, you know how when somebody farts, it's gross, but when a cute girl farts, it's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I think it was that with the drool,
1: right?" <laughs> well this is, yeah, you know, this is being recorded. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. <coughs> I uh, both of us, we we sit in the our offices and we hear things that. You know, people just don't talk about in most places, and sometimes that works its way into our conversation. and We talk about farting and drooling, and that's okay. Um, in your families, you should be able to do that, right? And I think the more families are able to do that, the less likely they are to come see us. But we'll get there in a minute. We have two um,
1: kids. Yeah. Um, our son. Uh, is 28. He's an attorney, and our daughter is 26, and she is um, an associate youth minister for seventh through twelfth grade girls in Texas. Currently, they actually live together, which is like a riot. Um, it's hilarious that they live together, but they're incredibly close. So um, it's been really fun to kind of watch them um, over just the last year or so. It's been really neat. Um, we did call our daughter a couple year, a couple weeks ago after Dustin asked us to um, uh, talk about, you know, address you guys. And um, so I asked Erica. I said, "Well, okay. So you've you know you've grown up with us, and you're kind of doing youth ministry now. What do you, what would you what would you want to communicate? What do you think that you know what did we do that you know you're seeing that is important?" And she said, um, "Get in your kids' business." She that's one thing that she has really seen is just get in your kids' business. Um, she said that people, what what she's learned and and what we have seen too, um, we're so afraid that we're going to offend our kids. We're so afraid that we're going to maybe. You know, say something that might not be, you know, either PC or, you know, what? That's our job as parents. You know, I just, I just heard that Kelly Ripa, um, just said, did you guys see this? Like last week, she said she's got I have almost three teenage kids, but her daughter, um, she said, she, I don't, she doesn't need to be my friend. I don't need her to be my friend. I'm her mom. You know, I don't need to be best friends with her, and that's one thing that Eric has always said, um, and 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 she sees it now too. You know, don't be your, try not, don't be your kid's best friend. That's not what. That's not what our job is supposed to Our job is supposed to be the parent. I have other friends that I can go to. They're supposed to have other friends. Eventually, you know, you can, they, you can become incredibly great friends. And we feel that way about our kids. You know, he is up mm-hmm. late talking to our kids. I go to bed. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where don't be their best friend.
2: That's one of the things that Eric has said, too, was um, it didn't matter how late I stayed out. I knew you were going to be sitting there in your chair reading a book waiting for me to talk about my night and she said you know how many times that gave me an out ah no my dad's up he's waiting and you know she had a rough night she'd walk in and plop down and we'd talk about it there was none of this hey dad and upstairs you know I never really had reason to but I was there to smell her breath and you know do the whole assessment when she came back, but...
1: Uh... And we tag-teamed it because, I, I mean, we didn't... There, I think their curfew was probably like 11.30 or something, which was just late for me. But, you know, we just kind of tag-teamed it. He didn't mind staying up late to do that. Um, the other thing that, that she has actually found, too, is um, there are times when she gets phone calls. I'll never forget the first couple of weeks... Hey, Becky. first couple of weeks <laughs> that she... Um, first couple of months that she was uh, doing youth ministry, she calls me she says, Mom, seriously, what am I going to do? A mom called her and said, my daughter refuses to wear a bra. Make sure you talk to her and tell her that she's got to wear a bra. She's like, Mom, what do I even say to that? What do I even say? So. Be the parent. Don't, don't ask these guys to do that kind of stuff. Just don't. You know, yeah. just be the parent. Just step in.
2: I'll say but, no to that
1: one. Exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, we're probably here talking to the 20 people who least need to exactly. be Exactly, and we know, you know that. We, we know that, so um, the forgive other, us if we're saying things that are kind of obvious. but
1: And the other thing that Erica said, too, and, and I'm seeing it even at the university, um, take your kids' phones at night. There's no reason that they really need to have their phones, you know, at night. Um, there's, at least in Texas where um, she's at, there's a huge prostitution rig going on. Via telephones, and um, I think that in, in the high schools that she works in. So I, I would just say, take your phones. There's really no reason for them to even be on their phone later at night. And it really just kind of shows that you're going to do random checks. You're going to look at um, what they're what they're doing. And again, it's sort of like the same thing. If she knew her dad was waiting up for, if if your kids know that you might be looking at their phone, and you should be looking at your phone if you're paying for it, um, then it might just kind of deter something. Some of the social media, I've just recently found out about Yik Yak. You guys know about that? Worst social media ever. It's an, do you guys know what that is? It's, um, it's I mean, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. It's an anonymous, kind of like anonymous Twitter. Anybody can post anything. It's all anonymous. And then, like, certain, you can delete it. If five people kind of look at it, I don't really, I don't understand it. I don't even want to get on it. At least at the university, I don't even want to get on it. It's terrible. But it's a lot of bullying goes on. So that way, you know, if you even know that your kids, do you know if your kids are doing yip yip? Those are the questions you need to be asking. I, I'm, I was shocked.
2: Yeah, and the, your kids' bedrooms don't need to be a multimedia center. Keep media in places now. There are parents who are just outraged that we would suggest that you get in their business to that extent. But about half the teenage boys that I see now And about a quarter of the guys that I see are coming into my office with problems related to pornography or uh, just inappropriate sexual behavior of one sort or another. And then you find out that these kids have been looking at porn on a regular basis from fifth grade on fourth grade. Um, Yeah, the average age of exposure to pornography when I was a kid something like 13.8 years. Now it's, isn't it nine and a half? Nine and a half years old. Um, they're still asexual. And so we're seeing like a progression that we never could have anticipated 20 years ago because kids get in, the, the sexual centers of the brain aren't even developed yet. makes a huge impact on them. And then they, they spend the next 10 years trying to process that. Um, yeah, keep the televisions, keep the computers, keep the phones out of your kids' rooms, take them at night.
1: It helps them sleep, you know, I mean, everybody says they've got sleep problems, well, just take it away. I know for me, I can be on my phone all night long, but just take take them away, you know, it helps them, helps them sleep.
2: We jumped right over something here that I wanted to, to get to, and that is, uh, you know, sometimes parents... One of the reasons they don't get their, their kids fell back up even further. The question that we were asked is, what do you wish people knew before they came to your office? Okay, Not just in general, but before they show up in the therapist's office. And one of the things that I want to say is the only perfect parent in history, all of history, had two problem children. Right? They had a perfect environment. They had a perfect dad and the kid's still screwed up by the numbers. That's Adam and Eve. I love it that that's the first story in the Bible, because it kind of takes you off the hook, right? It takes me off the hook when my kids screw up. Kids are going to screw up. There's one. a bit of research that says that everybody in America would qualify at one time or another in their lives for the diagnosis of adjustment disorder which means that you're just having a hard time coping or, or adjusting to a situation or a change in your life. Um, so normalize that for your kids. Normalize it for yourself. And kind of as we talk about this stuff, one thing I'd like you to keep in the back of your mind is not only that research, but research that says the most intelligent, educated, and sophisticated people, successful people in America, seek counseling more than those with less education, less success and less intelligence. So, you're in good company if you go get help for your kids or or help for yourselves in dealing with this stuff. Because smart people make the best use of available resources. Right? Anyway. Anything else on Erica? All right. We were just driving down the road, brainstorming some of this stuff. And one of the things that came out was how many of the kids that I see that have one coping strategy? And maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's getting high. Maybe it's masturbation. Maybe it's reading. Even good things can be taken to ridiculous extremes, right? And a lot of times, when you look in their parents' lives, you see parents with one coping strategy. So try and, try and teach your kids multiple strategies. Try and develop them yourselves. They're watching you. And the best predictor of your kid's long-term adjustment is your long-term adjustment, which is another great bit of info because you don't have to be perfect. But if you're in the process of getting your act together, and hopefully our kids saw us doing that, the whole time they were growing up was trying to get our acts together, um, then that's going to have a huge impact on your kids. They're going to know that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be screwed up as long as you do something about it. What would you say about conflict resolution?
1: We um, we always laugh and say that our kids saw a lot of conflict resolution in our house. Um, and, and I say that because we... Um, Well, we we actually, we had a gal who lived with us her senior year. This is when our kids were in high school. And um, long story, but her her parents divorced and her mom remarried and moved out of state. And she actually finished her senior year here, and she lived with us just so she didn't have to live on her own. And we didn't know her, we didn't really know her parents. It was one of those at sits, um, the girl stands up and says that, you know, she's going to be living by herself. And I'm like, wow, come on over for dinner. And then that just led to, she lived with us for a year. But anyway, um, she was shocked to see that Mark and I, we would... Maybe raise our voices a little bit sometimes, um, but we would always resolve it. And both we're both clinically trained. We're both are licensed in the state of Indiana. And you want to know how we know that our our fights are done? And this is for real. When we're after we're done and we talk it all out, the argument's over when we stick our tongues out at each other. <laughs> we just look <laughs> at each other, and then it's done. And you never bring that up again. Yeah, we're licensed. (laughs) But that worked for us. And when she lived with us, she had never seen her parents fight, ever, ever, ever. And then suddenly, they divorced. So that was just a huge thing for her to see, like, okay. And then we would, so I actually, in my laundry room, I have this card that she sent us after she went away to college that it had, like, two little kids sticking their tongues out at each other. So um, it's just kind of fun that, that's how, you got to figure out what works for you. And then when we do that, you never go back to it. We're done.
0: Can I come back? You, like, mentioned having multiple coping methods. Like, what would be some really healthy coping methods, and then, like, what does that sort of practically look like laid out for me or for my kid?
2: Let me tell you what it's not. It's not medicating all your anxiety or all your depression, okay? Medication is fantastic if you really need it. And sometimes medication gets you to the place where you can help yourself, okay? But for so many people, that's their first choice and you know that uh, here's one I just have to throw out because it's it's research that was done 16 years ago it was in the New England Journal of Medicine and every time a physician writes a script for an antidepressant or something for anxiety they should be laying this out if you exercise 4.5 times a week okay so aim it five or six times because you got to be real consistent in 30 to 35 minute blocks, and and you can't cut it in half for this, and you do that for six weeks, it will impact your serotonin level as much as a maintenance dose of Paxil or Prozac or Lexapro. It also affects norepinephrine, dopamine. Anybody ever experience this where you do your best or your kids do their best during football season or swimming season? Yeah, a couple of you are nodding. And then this, I mean, think about it. They've got less time than ever for school. They're all jacked up. You'd think that, that we'd have behavior problems and academic problems, and it's when they do their best. So I've had kids who, borderline, maybe we should start doing the regular exercise or maybe a luminosity program at lunch. And that mean? Oh, it's a brain training kind of program. And we can skip the meds altogether. And meanwhile, the kids are developing coping strategies. Whether you get on the meds or not, learn some coping strategies. Okay? Um, And that's that's more than we have time to get into. But there's a lot of things that kids with ADHD or ADD can do. Uh, A lot of things to kind of proof you against depression or anxiety. anything to add. That's great. Thanks. Um, one thing I'm seeing in our notes here is normalized stress and reactions to it.
0: Like it's okay to be stressed?
2: Yeah. it's And some and it's okay to be anxious. We think that we're, we're supposed to pop a pill for everything. Um, You can go all the way back to Freud and Jung, and they talked about flag anxiety, right? And the last thing you want to do is medicate that because it's supposed to be there. When you haven't paid your taxes, you're supposed to have anxiety. It's what energizes you. Okay? Um, Life is hard. Um, Deal with it. Don't, Don't medicate unless you really need it. Here's the other thing I would say. Um, I get kids that I test for ADD and ADHD, and I can't tell that they've ever had it. Okay, But they've been on medication for four, five, eight, ten years. And there's all sorts of other things that could have been done. Um,
1: So when you say deal with it, like like what do you mean?
2: Well, I guess first I mean, you know, are are your kids seeing you deal with it, or are they seeing you pop in a lot of pills, or taking the edge off every night with some alcohol? Um, do you just shut down in Channel Surf, you know, after a rough day? Um,
0: yeah. So, what does it look like to positively deal with stress, like in a way that models after that your kids? Right. Because I think they're they lack what those positive coping strategies are. And so what they do resort to is, I need alcohol, or I need to do self-harm, or I jump into, like, social media world and escape everything else. Like, what are positive ways, like, you can say, this is how our family deals with stress and anxiety.
1: Sometimes it means just sitting down on the couch next to each other, you know, and, and just sitting there and talking. I mean, so often, you know... I mean, I, I sit at the university where kids haven't really had a conversation with their parents in a really long time. And sometimes just sitting down and then just maybe talking about it. Driving in a car, I used to love driving in the car, carpooling with the kids, just because at, you're not looking at each other, you're just sitting there driving. And, um, and sometimes there's some of the best conversations. You just got to be actively involved. You got to really sit on the couch with them um, and kind of talk with it. I know that that sounds idealistic, but I think we've just gotten away from that. Mm-hmm. And, and, we're, we're, we're st- and and it's true. We're just stimulated all the time um, with electronics and all kinds of things. But sometimes just having that just sitting there.
2: Do stuff with your kids. Yeah, and, and do the same things that they do. When everybody was reading Twilight, and, uh, or Harry Potter for oh. that matter, or the Hunger Games, I had so many parents just outraged that their kids would, would want to read that and say, Have you read it? No. Gosh, no. Read Harry Potter if your kids are into it. Read The Hunger Games. Go to the movies. Um, you know who I see every fall? I see an inordinate number of homeschool kids coming back to me. Okay, not that there's anything wrong with homeschooling, but a lot of kids are homeschooled out of fear, and then they go to college, and they freak out. Either. The thumb is suddenly off, and they go to college and they go crazy because their parents never gave them a chance to learn their own regulation, how to regulate themselves, or um, they're just freaked out because they've been raised in a household where fear is very much a part of the way we look at the rest of the world. Um, I've had kids that they couldn't go to college because I think my ro- my roommate might be getting high, might be a lesbian. Might be this. Um, get involved with your kids' lives, not just intrusively, okay? Because that's no good. Um, but to understand and to discuss it with them and to help them process things, so they don't have to do that on their own. Cool. That makes
0: sense. Yeah. Like family dinner might be a really good oh, way to deal gosh. with.
1: absolutely. Family yeah.
0: dinner can be therapy.
1: Yeah. We I guess I kind of glossed
0: over that. Yeah. <laughs> Which minute. sounds Andy, so... What is that? Yeah. It sounds so simple. Yeah. But, like, really just having 30 minutes where everybody sits down and checks in with each other
2: yeah. is, like, a really positive coping strategy for life.
1: Absolutely.
2: That was our default position. I mean, during... Our kids swim year-round and did other sports as well. you um, Super active kids, but we would... We changed everything in order to maintain uh, family dinner. And then at night, we would, even when they were teenagers, we'd go in at night, lay down next to their bed. They'd come in uh, and turn the lights off, and we'd pray together, and then we would talk. you know. And it's kind of like riding in the car with the lights out. You're not looking at each other. Uh, defenses tend to be a low ebb then. You're relaxing defenses are relaxing and we had the best conversations and do you think we wanted to do that every night gosh no um so stay involved the other thing that we did she would go do trips with our daughter and a couple of her friends I would take my son and his friends camping um You know, just road trips where we found One Horse Gap in southern Illinois and uh, backpacking trips to the point where when they had a a free weekend in college, my son would call up and say, Dad. And he was involved in everything. He said, you want to go backpacking? Let's meet up halfway. And we would do that. He was in
0: Alabama, so that was like a significant halfway.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was
1: just fun that he still wants to do that with him.
2: Here's another thing. Um, look at your kids' behavior and see, is this going to work anywhere else besides our home? Because a lot of kids, they think that they can turn on the tears, or they can throw a tantrum. And then they take that behavior with them to college. You've got to make sure it's your responsibility to make sure that those things that don't work out in the world are not working in your home. Okay. Dustin's not enough a part of their life um, to make that happen, and I'm not either. Even if you send me your kid, you know, two, three times a week. Some parents do that, is the other thing I want to say. Um, every once in a while I'm doing an intake, that, that's that first session with parents, and mm-hmm. I leave 90 minutes to two hours, and I sometimes I just say, whoa, hey, is there anything about this kid you like? Anything? You know? Because by the time they bring him to me, they're just hating on this kid. And I will be willing to see the kid just to get him away from their parents for an hour every week. Okay? And, and oddly enough, the same parent showed up like 20 minutes early. She she took off. And I'm standing outside playing frisbee with her son. And she's like, I need to see you in your I'm not paying you to play frisbee with my kid. Oh, okay. Um, boys, especially, they do relationship through activity. That's why those those camping trips, those backpacking trips are so important. That's why this kid will come in, get a great relationship. He will save things up, so that and as soon as he walks in, shuts the door, he's like, "Let me tell you about it." But when they come in and they're stuck, take them out and throw the frisbee around. Take them out and do something. Um, Yeah, but back to that. Is there anything about this kid you like? We've done this in our relationship. Uh, When I was in grad school, she did not want to be in Southern California. She did not want to be going back to work. She'd been a full-time mom. And the two of us were in this mode. And for the first time in my life, I was starting to carry a grudge. I'm the guy that gets in a fight with his best friend and walks out the next day. He goes, Dave, how you doing? Boom! Right? I was holding the grudge for the first time. And I ran into Philippians 4.8, which says, finally, my brethren, if there's anything of excellence or worthy of praise, and it goes on but the bottom line is let your mind dwell on these things put your this is where you establish your your camp and so i started keeping notes every day for a couple of weeks about what was right about my wife what was good about her what i enjoyed about her her excellent character and it made it so much easier to not engage with her you know anybody ever just want to fight with your spouse you're just really irritated and feel good to just have at it. And I didn't engage and she said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> okay. And I told her what I'd been doing and she started doing the same thing. And it changed everything in her relationship. Do that with your kids. When they are least lovable is when you need to start making that daily entry. What about them do I like? What about them? And then share those things with them, not every day, um, because it's hard to correct their behavior. If I mean if they don't like you, if you don't like them, the punishment is not nearly as impactful, and the praise, you know, will seem forced and canned. So catch them being good. That's your job as a parent.
1: He was great at that. He was always so good about just catching the kids. Doing something well, um, I said. I sat in my office this week, and I was just—I am mean, physically ill. Um, a student had to withdraw and um, had to go home, and the parent came from out of state. And I mean, there was—there's was not one thing that this kid could have done right. And and it was just this constant negativity, and I—I I felt horrible that this kid had to go back home. You know, just—just just listening to—and um, it's well rehearsed and bringing stuff up, and I mean, it—it it just. I don't know. It, I think it's important to think, you know, Philippians 4.8, think about the things that are really good. We sometimes go back to that, too. If we're finding ourselves fussing, we go back to 4.8, and we okay, we need to do that again, and we pull it out, and we, you know, it's just it's just a way to kind of retrain your brain a little bit, and certainly we can do that with, with our kids as well.
0: And especially with, I mean, people in adolescence are asking, who am I, how do others perceive me, and what am I good at? True yes. And if, and if mom and dad aren't feeding these are the things I see in you that you're good at or Mm -hmm. these are the things that I see in you that are admirable. Mm -hmm. That's that's sort of a hard... They're going to go looking for that other places and they're going to find the people that say, I think you're really good at this. Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's this thing, it's called the looking glass theory of the self and it's where we get our... our, Everybody talks about self-image, right? Self-esteem. If you think of a... Well, any of us, who's the one person in the room you can't see, especially little kids. That's where they get their view of themselves. It, it's what's reflected back to them from the others in their environment. So if when they take the first steps, you think, man, they are so awesome, right? And they speak their first sentence, and, and you celebrate that, and sometimes through no fault of our own, um, dealt with parents who, they come home exhausted, but they have to work that job and a half. And the kids really pick up on, I'm an inconvenience. I exhaust my parents. I am tiresome. I am too much. I'm overwhelming. And that's what they take in. And and So if that's the case in your home, you just have to go that extra mile to catch them being good and communicate the rest of the story. Um,
0: well, I had a question. You you described, like, not just the sitting down and talking, but, like, I mean, praying with your kids at night, even to their teenage years. Like, I think a lot of parents would say, like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, my kid would, you know, it's just, like, I try to go there, or, and it's like, no, 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 not mine. Like, but you, you made a comment to me once we were having dinner, and you just said, you know, like, I understand to a certain extent, where parents tell me, like, I can't do a Bible study with my kids or pray with my kids, but you said your experience was just their entire life, whenever somebody would bring up something that was hard, their response was, well, then let's pray about it, and they just, you guys really modeled that when life is hard, when we need help with stuff, our first place we turn is to Jesus, and we pray, and so, you know, what are some of those other ways that, like, practically... Living out, like, how does spirituality inject itself into time with my kids in a way that lets you have those spiritual moments that a lot of parents want with their kids, but it feels like we don't know
2: how to? It can't be an add-on. Okay? It's got to be who you are. Um, You can't get your kids to think integratively. You can't get your kids to process things spiritually if you don't. You know? Um, I know of no other area in life where that is so important. So... If you want your kids to be in the Word, if you want them to think godly thoughts, if you want them to pray when they're in crisis, what are you doing?
1: And I think, I think too, what Dustin was saying before about... Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up um, in a Catholic home, and hmm. for me, uh, I, I mean, I didn't even know who really... I went to Mass six times a week, and, and it was super important growing up. Um, but it wasn't until I was 22 that I actually accepted Christ as my Savior. So, um, I, th- I think for me, I wanted to do it differently. I knew that, um, I, and that we got involved in a church and um, just kind of got involved. It was really, really fun for me to teach my kids Bible stories because I never heard them. So when my kids were little, you know, I was. It was really fun. I really enjoyed that. And then we just kind of continued with that. I think. But okay. I had to get. I had to be interested in knowing what the Word said, and because I, I did feel it was my job to teach them way back in the day. Um, she'd Dr. read
2: the children's Bible stories. Oh, at I loved night. it. And, and sometimes if I wasn't there and I showed up, she'd say, do you know what? And, and, I didn't I mean, know these stories. She was excited about this stuff, right? Because she was hearing it for the first time. It was yeah. great.
1: And I just found I found different ways um, to, you know, back in the day, focus on the family and you listen to Dr. Dobson and, you know, but I, I found ways to... Figure out how I had to teach my kids. I did feel it was my job. We did not homeschool our kids, but I felt it was my job from a spiritual perspective. That well, it was my job too to learn on my own.
2: You're establishing the norm. Um, Yeah. That's like we tell young or parents of young children: if you're involved in things right from the start, it's going to be normal for them and your friends to see you at school. If you just decide to show up during their senior year for everything at school, you're going to freak them out. Okay. So get involved early and stay involved.
1: Well, and I think, too, um, how we kind of got involved in, in church and youth ministry is we moved here when our kids were in fourth and sixth grade. We moved here from Los Angeles. And um, it was just really hard for Nate to kind of jump in. And um, he said when we found out he was moving to Indiana, he's like, great, of all sports, I'm worst at basketball, and we're moving to Indiana. So, I mean, he was just struggling all over the place. So he just had a kind of a hard time kind of connecting. or. He felt it was just like the whole thing was overwhelming. So that's when Mark kind of jumped in, and in middle school, he that's when he became a small group leader. Just like, okay, if we if I'm going to access, you're going to access, you know. And we just kind of made it like that's just what we do. We just and I hate show
2: basketball. I, I grew up in Michigan, and in the winter it was basketball or hockey, and I'd much rather play hockey. But I bought a basketball when we moved here. Um, yeah, don't just dump on. Um, The church or Dustin, and I mean, I know you guys know this. I mean, you're all the involved people, right? Um, It's going to take Dustin quite a while to establish the type of relationship he needs to really speak into your kids' lives and for them to respond. Okay, that's another thing I want you to know when you send your kid to a therapist. Um, It takes quite a while to establish the right relationship with your kids sometimes. They might like me right from the start, they may not, but for them to, you know, look forward to the session and come with things saved up and actually respond to what we say, that's that happens in the context of a relationship. A relationships take time. Okay. For you guys and for us as well.
0: Um. Here's a question I think is just an interesting one. Like, what does every teenager need to know about their parents? Sort of like how their parents are coming at the world, how their parents are coming at like a relationship with them. Like, what do you teens just not get? What's lost in translation from this is what mom and dad live in, like, in regards to like their life with me, that they just don't Sink in, and how can parents like help communicate that to maybe create some like empathy going the And then I'm going to ask the other question in just a minute. What do you, what do parents not know about what's going on with their teen?
1: Can I say my two, what what we did when they were toddlers, and then again as teenagers, we kids want to know two things: Do you love me, and can I have my own way? Yes, I love you, and no, you cannot have your own way. So, and I think <laughs> if you kind of you know leave it at that. Um, I mean, that simplifies it, and I know that sounds super you know, rudimentary, but it kind of is that way. You know, I'm the parent, and I'm going to, you know, yes, I love you, and you're not going to have your way and everything.
2: Exactly. And, you know, what does it mean to love your kids? It, do you, uh, what, what do the kids need to know about us, and what do they need to see us doing? Do you walk humbly before your God? Okay. When you screw up with your kids, do you acknowledge it? Do you apologize? Do they see that happening between you and your spouse? Um, if if not, why should they listen to you? Okay. Um, uh, okay. I don't know why that got me, but. I think I, I as, as we were driving here, we had a list of all these things, and I thought um, I wouldn't listen to a lot of the parents that I run into. Okay, they're arrogant, they're um, they're divorced from their kids' reality. They want somebody to just fix their kids. They're they've got a, a laundry list of what's wrong with their kids that they show up with. Um, If you're living humbly before your God, you're probably not walking around and interacting with your kids like that, are you?
0: I'm hearing you say a lot of ways. Like, our kids mirror us. I mean, just what they see is what they do. Mm -hmm. And whether they perceive that or not, my wife read a blog post the other day, like just a lady had lost her voice. And so she had to whisper to communicate with her like four kids and she's a stay at home mom. Mm. And she said what she found was that over the next few days her kids would whisper everything. And like they knew that mom was so like defeated and sick and tired that like the two oldest like figured out how to fix their fights. Um, Because they knew that mom couldn't, like, handle that right now. And she just said what she realized after three days of being a quiet person, that her house was quiet. And normally, her house is loud and full of screaming and fighting. And she said, like, I'm a loud and yelling person. Mm. And she said, you know, I just had to stop and say, oh, my gosh, when I quieted down, my whole family quieted down. And so I don't, I'm just hearing you say a lot of things like what we demonstrate, you know, I'm stressed. I think all of us would feel stressed a lot. Um, you know, and you have stress going on in your life that your kids have no idea what that looks like. But how you choose to, like, show that you're stressed and how you're dealing with it and walking through it gives them a template to say, okay, when I'm stressed <coughs> and when I'm crazy, this is what it looks like. I have... Person that I talked to about it and what it looks like to go through it, and so I, don't know, I just yes, it'd be really cool if there was a formula that just showed you what that looks like. But I'm not hearing the magic answer.
2: <laughs> nope. Um, yeah, health is the ability to respond to a, a wide variety of insults. Right. I mean, broken bones, uh, bacteria disease and it's the same with mental health right and do your kids see a variety of responses to a variety of difficulties and you know be open, share talk about what you're doing as you cope why this helps you why you get up and, and are walking more in the morning now because it's a stressful time it might be counterintuitive um... You know, when when you're stressed out, maybe what you want to do is just hole up and curl up and sleep more, and yet you're going out and you're walking and you're starting your day like that. Share with your kids why. Talk them through. They don't need the, the gritty details of your life, but, you know, you've got a lot to teach them. Here's a question.
0: Um, parents know their kids better than anybody else, and they know sort of like when something's not right, at what point do you say, okay, we need to talk to somebody outside the home? Or like, you know, what are sort of some markers that are red flags that say, okay, this is like something's not right here. And then what's the process look like for trying to engage somebody else in the process of getting healthy? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, if you're worried about your kid's safety, um, or worried about anybody else's safety, as, you know, as a result of how your kid's dealing with things, then uh, sit down, talk to them, and get them help. Um, it's really sad when when you hear from somebody. I've been called into churches and, and met with youth groups, and um, it's when I started reading, everyone poops youth groups Um, we had a girl who killed herself and a lot of people knew how how bad off she was but nobody would talk about it and uh, so you sit down and you read them this silly book everyone poops and say you know what and everybody deals with depression and anxiety and feels overwhelmed and nobody talks about it and we need to um normalize it. There's this great book, it's called The Heroic Client, right? And it says that, you know, the people that I see are not the weak ones, the the to-be-pitied ones, they're the heroic ones that come in and say, I've got some things I need to deal with, and rather than avoid and numb and escape, which is, if you look at addictions, that's all they're about, right? Numb, escape, and avoid. Rather than doing that, I'm going to go deal with this problem. So it's not only when to get your kid help, but it's how you frame it when it happens. Make it seem like a really good thing, um, because it is. Well, I want to open it up and have some time for just
0: question and answers. Um, If you have anything you'd like to ask, go for it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about um, to sit down on the couch with the kid. Um I agree with you about the car time. That's awesome. But you
1: know, if you have a kid that doesn't want to do that, how do you how do you do that? Do it anyway. So you make them sit there. Or or you go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> or you or you or you go for a walk, you know, you, you do something that would be that you would be or you know, a bike ride. Uh, something just so that they know that you want they know you're making that investment in them You know, it could be making dinner together. You know, you figure out how to chop an onion or something that you're just doing together that you're spending time unplugged But just you know it, and it might it might not be you know to, to be sitting there, but it's got to be something that it's just the just the two of you
2: that making the dinner thing um, And then you say well, what if they don't want to make dinner with you? It's not an option Okay, well, everybody contributes is is a given in our home, right? And you don't get an allowance for contributing. You get an allowance for m- making sure that we don't have to nag you about your contributions. So you're responsible for dinner once a week and for getting everything that's needed for that dinner. And um, you know, I might say, uh, I think you're doing stir fry this week. Because it takes a lot of time to chop all those vegetables. And then I can stand next to you at the counter. I've got my agenda, right? And we're going to chop vegetables together. And when you keep somebody busy, it's amazing how easy it is to talk to them. Come on, let's wash the car. I don't want to wash the car. Uh, It's not an option. You drive the car, let's wash the car. Okay? There's all sorts of things. You just
1: got to get creative.
0: I know I know a dad who just catches the ball for his son at the basketball goal, and he just stands at the bottom of it and he gets every rebound for his son, and that's like how he gets time in. And so you know just, and he gets to ask questions and in between shots he gets answers and that's how he gets time with his son. Um, I, I think that, I think there are a lot of creative ways, like family board games. Like if you got kids that can stand to play games, like play games with them, and you get
2: lots of little bits thrown in there to mix. I know somebody goes to this church who uh, was worried that his daughter was starting to drift, and he said, "Uh, "We're going camping this week," and she said, "Uh, "I don't like camping," and he said, "Well, that's what we're doing," and they got in the canoe, and they went up to Canada, and. They portaged their way up the series of lakes, and they did everything together, right? Um, uh, It just was crazy, he said. And by the end of the week, they were just talking like crazy. And then they had stories to tell together. You have those shared experiences. It's a lot easier to get a conversation going, isn't it? Even if it's stir fry. So what do you do whenever you're up
3: in that parent Around and you hear different things, and they don't even realize you're in the car.
1: Which is awesome. It is. It
3: is, it is very awesome. Uh, but what do you do when when there's other children that you see that that need help, mm-hmm. that are in your friends, uh, in your daughter's friends' circle, and yet your daughter is saying, don't get involved, Mom, don't get involved? What, what advice would you give for an um, over-involved mom, I guess? Well, if it's
1: a safety issue, you have to be involved. Sure. You know, yes. if there's any type of self harm, whatever, it's you know, you're like a mandated reporter. You got to do something about it. Um, I, that's a tough one. If your daughter's saying, you know, butt out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe that might be appropriate to butt out. You know, if you are over-involved. But I think you know what needs to happen. It might be that that you have the girl over. It might be that you. You know, maybe model that for your daughter. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know the situation, but...
3: So we're both praying for her. That was my first That's option true. to say, you know, and then I suggested that she talk with the deep group leader or even Dustin or some things, and I think things have gotten better, but, you know, I, I just don't know where, as a parent, where my boundaries are without breaking the trust of my daughter and her friend. So, you know, That's I'm true. trying to watch from a distance Mm-hmm. on the sidelines ready to throw the life preserver in, but you, know, you just don't know how and, and when to get involved.
2: Right. So, Sounds like you are involved. Well, I mm-hmm. am. You do a lot probably. of good things.
3: From the degree from the bench, mm-hmm. I would like to be in the middle.
1: But, um, you know, I'm not... Maybe your job's involved. from the bench.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. She knows I'm praying about the situation. I touch base with my daughter about that uh, on a frequent basis and
2: you know, just by being available, um, you're planting seeds for later on. I can't tell you how many times. I'm, okay, here's one. She did uh, three D groups where she took girls from freshman year through senior year, and so now we have this constant stream of girls at our house. It's kind of fun, um, but sometimes it's a little overwhelming. And and they just show up, right? We we've come home and found them making omelets in our house. And she would, you know, they would eat my dinner all the time if I wasn't home. um, That wasn't always fun. Um, But we're making out on the couch once, right? And we hear boom, 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 and the sliding glass doors. We look up and there's five faces looking in the window. Oh, geez.
1: Our kids were gone.
2: Our time. kids are in college, and they're friends. Remember Brian in particular. Anyway. I'd be sitting up late at night. I mean, on the weekends, I'll read until 1 o'clock in the morning. I love to read. And scared the crap out of me, just boom, 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 boom on the sliding glass door. And here's, here's this kid looking in. Hey, Mark, can you talk? Sure, come on in, man.
1: So you just have to be available.
2: (laughs) Yeah. What you're doing now is going to pay off. Oh yeah. It's a long game, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Just a little curious
0: about um, how you get through the tug and pull that happens when they're getting
1: ready to last few years in the a Tug and pull of wanting freedom, but yet. um, break away from mom and dad and how do you how
2: do you balance all of that and what's the right relationship just because sometimes they just get just disrespectful
1: and you, you know um it can make it can push your butt. shot collars. Well the disrespect is just never gonna fly, like ever. I don't care whether you're getting ready to go to college or not. That, you know, you nip that one in the bud, and if you and if you are respectful, then you can actually have some freedom. At the collegiate level, I, I will say, um, sometimes students have absolutely no idea how to manage their own time. And I think we, we, we organize things and we get everything set up. It's really okay to let them kind of figure out how to do some things um, and give them that freedom. But I, that freedom isn't a right, it's a privilege. And, and make sure that, you know, once you do these things, you can have this. And if that means being respectful, make sure that you are. It is really hard. But that you're even asking that question is a really good thing.
2: Oh, yeah. Our kids heard all the time. Well, if you're like, no, they, they didn't hear this often, but if you're like this in our home, why would we send you out? And then this on the world. Right. No, you're not going anywhere. You sort of, um,
0: yeah, you sort of asked the question, like, put myself in their roommate shoes in two years. Oh, yes. Like, would I want to be roommates with him? <laughs> yeah. And, and the answer is no. Then, like, exactly. we've got to figure out how to not do this.
1: Even from a cleanliness standpoint, our son is a pig. Um, and I remember saying, your, roommate's, your roommate is going to hate in He's into me. deep cleaning. Yeah, deep cleaning. Yeah. But not, he's just... You know, just all over, um, and he's still kind of like that. But he had figured that out with his roommates. You know, he
2: always had to do that. Okay, he's a he's he's scattered. He's a mess. But he'll like completely blitz his room once a week. You know, like down the deep cleaning. My daughter just keeps it that way all the time. It was like that when they were kids. It's like <coughs> that now. Um, but yeah, why are your kids driving your car? their your car. If they've never taken it for an oil change, if they've never changed the oil in your driveway, why are they driving the car if they don't wash it? Why? You know, it's just teaching your kids responsibility, and then making sure they know right from the start: this is not your phone; you use my phone. You know, and I'll take it away. And that that tug of war. The other thing I want. Parents know it's normal, it's to be expected. And your kid's not healthy if they're not doing some of that. Right? I like it. I've, that's spunk and spirit. And it's, it's individuation. It's how we figure out that we're not our parents.
1: Our son was super compliant. I mean, super compliant. I think that's why he's an attorney. Um, there was a time, though, in high school where he actually and, and kind of inadvertently kind of broke a rule and we actually celebrated it because he was just so like like we we got I mean, remember we bought him a breakfast club I and mean, we bought we were so excited our daughter on the other hand junior year was a tough year for her um she actually we didn't her brother went to college so she's got all eyes on her um she started skipping school a little bit and uh, i know becky knows the story um, and we didn't know this. We had no idea. So I'm at work, and Mark was getting ready to leave, and Harrison called the house and said, "Just wanted to confirm that Erica has an orthodontist appointment at one o'clock today." And he goes, "You know what? The calendar's downstairs. Let me let me check that." He calls me, and he says, "Does Erica have an orthodontist appointment at one?" I said, "Mark, she hasn't had braces in a year and a half." <laughs>
3: <laughs> I
2: knew that, but I'm wondering—is this a follow-up or something,
3: right? <laughs> what?
1: So he calls the school back and says, "There's she doesn't, He they said, yeah, we know. She called and tried to make an excuse. And he said, do me a favor. Would you check to see what time she has chemistry? And sure enough, she had chemistry at 1 o'clock. She had a test, and she just wasn't ready for it. So he then says, can I, can I send a card to school? So he went in my little stash of Get Well cards wrote a, a card out to her, hope you're hope your teeth are feeling better, whatever, took it to her, and, and basically it said, you know, don't go anywhere after school, you're, you're at home till we get home. And um, so she goes down at one o'clock to get it, and they said, no, actually you don't have an orthodontist appointment, but here's a note from your dad, it was great, it was great. She stopped skipping school then. <laughs>
2: Yeah, here's the other thing. I mean, it's not the end of the world when your kids screw up. Oh, yeah. And if you freak out to the point where your behavior becomes the issue, then that's a problem, right? As much as possible, keep discipline, business-like, okay? Afterwards, you can talk about the emotional impact or the relational impact, but, you know, keep discipline, business-like, and put most of your passion into setting them up to succeed, and catching them being good. Okay. Any
1: other questions? Did you ever do a driving contract? The a driving contract? I heard people say they've done that. When they start to drive on their own, you, you have the parameters. Actually, I don't.
2: I don't know. A lot of that was was fluid. The kids knew what we expected. Um, I had no problem at all being unfair, right? If my daughter was being really responsible and my son wasn't, uh, she probably got more privileges than he did. Um, it, it's probably not a bad idea, but my hesitation there is then they hold you to the contract, and. I, I want them to walk out the door with clear expectations, you know, um, but I reserve the right to alter my side of that contract at any given moment, so I don't know if that makes sense. I, this is like, you guys,
0: not, I haven't told you. Um, I, I went fishing with Nate, their son, one time and we were just talking about, like he was asking me about youth ministry and what I run into. And I was just sharing, you know, I see all sorts of students who their entire faith is based around rules. And this is what's okay, and this is what's not. And this is what Jesus wants me to do and doesn't want me to do. And it's all based on whether stuff's good stuff or bad stuff. And, you know, I just said, I wish I could just get every kid to understand that Jesus isn't about rules. And his whole thing, like, he fought with the people who were all about rules, his whole ministry. And, like, we just got to learn to live in this really messy situation of grace, where if I step out, I'm repentant, and I come back in, and God's got grace for that. And just that really, really delicate dance. And as I'm describing this to Nate, Nate said, that's totally the way my parents see faith. And, like, he just had no question in his mind. Like, that's exactly how my mom and dad see it. And so... I mean, major, major, major kudos to you guys. Um, and so, I mean, I hear that in like a contract. doesn't sound like it fits with that. Um,
2: and I can do that. I, I like to tell people I cheated with my, my kids. I raised other people's kids for 10 years. Um, I had the most hardcore adolescents the state of Michigan could throw at me that weren't in Maxi Boy's detention facility. And it was a token economy and a graduated behavior management system and, and quiet rooms. and We can do all that. But I'd rather... All those rules were never a substitute for relationship. You... That's one of the things you guys need to do is you need to be really tight and have gamed out all the contingencies with each other um, because kids will just naturally split. But all the consequences and all the rule-keeping and stuff should be reflexive and just automatic so that you can put all your energy into relationship. And does that make sense? Have the, that's what I guess I'm saying spiritually is have some disciplines in your life. Get in the Word every day. Pray. Um, reflexively, if you're stuck or having difficulty dealing with something. But those disciplines don't take the place of relationship. Yeah. They, yeah. Just, they add to it. But right. We set those things up so that we can
0: invest and have bandwidth to do those things that require just a lot more. And so you're not just sort of fighting from behind when you get into those situations. Yes. So. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for that story. I didn't know they said that. That was really
1: nice. Thank you. I didn't know that. Sorry, I haven't
0: told you before. It was a really cool moment to hear somebody just say like, "Yeah, that's totally how my parents see
2: things." So, thank you. You want to read that. Do
1: you have anything else? Nope. Um, Any other questions? As I was trying to think, like, how we're going to wrap this up, um, we actually, um, you know, how you put things on your refrigerator that you know your kids have done that you really like. Well. We actually have something that we actually got, a a note from Erica. She sent this uh, card to us.
2: She's in youth ministry.
1: Yeah. So she says, um, and I just hope that someday y'all can get a card like this and put it on your refrigerator as well. So it was just one of those, for us, kind of a a really cool moment. Mom and Dad, I feel like you're going to get a lot of these cards over the years, but I wanted to say thank you. The more parenting I see, the more I realize how well you two parented. Thank you. I love you both so very much and grow more grateful to you each day, Erica." It's just really fun that after all those years and even when she was skipping school and pretending she had an orthodontist appointment that, you know, years later to get a, a card like that's just really fun. So I hope you all can do that too. Hang in there. It's not easy, but, you know, it, it's so worth it. So.
0: Thank you guys very much for being with us. and. Um, Any further questions, um, never hesitate. I can connect you with these guys. I can connect you with somebody else. Um, Just, yeah, there's there's a lot of resources we have within our church um, that are just, we're a big village that that it really does take all of us to raise our kids. And so um, we want to be here. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah.
1: Thanks, guys. See
2: ya.
3: Yeah. Uh, so instead of the P90, we need to do the P48. What's, What's that? that?